can Jeff Saturday coach a game, manage a clock? I don't know if he can. Certainly doesn't seem like he can. What a debacle. My yeah. gosh. You got all three timeouts in your back pocket, and somehow you just blow it like that. Uh, that doesn't really make much sense. I mean, good for you, Jim Mersey. You hired somebody who's never coached a game before, and you said you were glad you did it. Clearly backfired on you, man. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it was a close game. Both teams aren't that well, like, they're not that good. Both teams aren't that good. But, I mean, we all know Mike Tomlin's a way better coach than Jeff Saturday. And, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that the game was as close as it was. Um, a couple of takeaways I want to take from that game last night was George Pickens. Somehow, some way, the Steelers always draft good wide receivers. I don't know what's up. I don't know what they look at in wide receivers, but they always draft good receivers. And then they let them walk three years later because they, yeah. they kind of go crazy. George well, Pickens I mean, is so good, though. Yeah. And they never and they never get rid of their draft picks either. They always have all their draft picks. They're, they're smart with those. I mean, they always know – it always feels like they know – who the next guy up is in college football and who they're able to get. I think a big part of that is like, so first of all, they, before Kenny Pickett, you know, they had Ben Roethlisberger who was there for however many years. I don't know. Was that 17 or something like that? 2004. So that really helps because then you're not spending first round picks to either draft the next guy or you're not, you know, trying to spend first-round picks to go trade for the next guy. You have that guy, that Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, and now you're building around him. So yeah, part of it's luck, part of it's team building. But, yeah, they've they've always done a nice job constructing the roster. Like you pointed out that Mike Tomlin's obviously going to be a Hall of Fame coach someday. Um, that's, that's the way you get more out of your roster than – you know, what Jeff Saturday is getting out of the Colts. If you reverse roles, I bet you Mike Tomlin's getting a lot more out of that Colts roster than Jeff Saturday is right now. Oh, definitely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, um, in all honesty, statistics show that um, Pittsburgh is known for, like, one of the best teams to have player development. Them, them in New England probably the best teams in the league to develop players to at least their full potential. So flipping to the other side of the ball on the Colts sideline, um, there was a situation with Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman where Matt Ryan threw the ball to Pittman and Pittman decided to step back and somehow the ball was intercepted by a very athletic DB and made a super tremendous effort to intercept the ball. And um, on the sidelines, when Matt Ryan walked over on the bench, he said to his coach, he's a... effing trash so i kind of want to talk about michael pittman's role in the offense or just the the offense by itself because i said in previous episodes i don't think i'm a colts fan i don't think michael pittman's number one wide receiver whether you believe me or not i i don't think he's number one wide receiver and i don't look at it to be fair i don't look at him as a possession wide receiver we run curl route curl routes and stuff like that i look at him as like a vertical threat but um yeah that was not a look from them yes not a good look from them yesterday yeah at first i 
when you first said Pittman's not number one receiver, I was like, well, I kind of think he is. I think he's in his second or third year. So mm-hmm. I think he had the potential. But after watching enough games, and especially Monday night's game, he did not look good at all. And there was I was a bit confused on that interception because there was a wide receiver literally two steps behind Pittman. I don't know what he was doing, but that was a great interception. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know how to identify Pittman. I know he was a first-round wide receiver, but he looks so when he runs his routes, he looks like stiff almost. Like he, he runs so stiff, and I know I know he is known for deep ball, jump balls, and all that. Um, but even when you even when he catches those jump balls, they're not that pretty. You like to think that they could find like I don't know long-term solution number one receiver. So the thing is, is in today's game, you can't sign basically the premium position. So offensive tackle, wide receiver, defensive end, cornerbacks, quarterbacks, you know, you get all that. You can't just sign those guys in free agency at year's end. You got to go draft them. Mm-hmm. So this offseason, they're obviously going to be rebuilding. I think they looked last year at the offseason as, well, since we don't have our first round pick, was it a third or fourth that they used on Alec Pierce? And they basically said, second. well, second, they basically yeah, said, well, Alec Pierce can be our number one guy eventually. And I don't know if that's really good process to draft a guy beyond day one and assume that he's going to be your number one guy. I mean, if you do it like DK Metcalf, you draft somebody in the second round and he turns into one of those top 10 wide receivers. Awesome. But like, that shouldn't be your process. I mean, you don't go into the fifth round saying we're going to draft our next best offensive lineman. Usually, you know, right? you want to draft those guys as high as possible if you can. Well, Metcalf should have been a, Metcalf should have been a first round pick. He kept slipping. I forget the reason, but teams kept passing on him. Mm-hmm. And if there's a guy like that in the second round, absolutely jump on him. Like, I guess George Pickens would be an example of that. I personally, I watched George Pickens tape and I thought this guy's a first round pick. If he's not going, you know, in the top 20 or so, he should for sure be back half of the first round. He was not, but clearly he showed that he could have been potentially. Definitely. I want to real quick. I want to touch back on what the Colts were trying to do in that final drive. So from NFL research, the Colts are the only NFL team to leave the timeouts unused when driving for a potential tying slash game winning touchdown in the final 35 seconds of the opponent's 40. What were they doing? I don't know because I didn't watch the game. But it doesn't sound very pretty. That just has to be one of the they must be. I mean, that's just one of the weirdest sequences that you can think of. There was actually this kind of goes back to like Thanksgiving. Dan Campbell kind of did some other shady stuff similar to this. And it it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, why why are you just keeping your timeouts? I don't remember if the Lions had all three of their timeouts, but it was like 20 seconds left and the clock keeps on ticking and Thankfully, there was an official's timeout for some reason. I don't remember the circumstances, but it ended up pausing the game. And I remember thinking, you got away with one there, Dan. But they just, 
a lot of these guys, they just forget that they have timeouts or something, or they, I don't know, forget to look at the clock. It's just bizarre to me. Being put in the role Jeff Saturday is, um, I don't, do you expect him to be in charge? I mean, I know he's the head coach and all, but if he's not calling plays or anything like that, do you expect him to be in charge of like timeouts and things like that? Well, I, mean, I guess a, if he's, he's, he, he's an offensive line coach. I mean, I know he has the title of head coach, but he's an offensive line coach. And anyone, anyone on the team can call a timeout. That's the thing, though, is if – so somebody has to call it there. I mean, when you are considered the head coach, you got to assume that you're doing that. I think it's fair to put the pressure on Jeff Saturday to do that because of the role that he's in. For me, it's not so much, oh, he's the interim coach, coach right now. It's like, well, he's still wearing the headset. He's still the, you know, the leader of the franchise as of right now. So either him or Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, too, yeah. veteran quarterback who's 37 years old, by the way. Why doesn't he call a timeout there? Just I mean, that's, say that. yeah, that's something else that gets overlooked here. But obviously huge miscommunication by both the head coach and the veteran quarterback. I mean – that that just can't happen again. Definitely not. I mean, now at this point in the season, I don't think it matters. I mean, we're not we're not winning the ball, so yeah. I mean, whatever. Just play your best, make something happen. So I guess Deshaun Watson's back. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, I, I wrote down some notes here. Um, he's making his return back to Houston. His first NFL game coming back. In Houston, how ironic! And it's his first start since January third, two thousand twenty-one. Um, I don't know how many days that is, but it was it was a while. <laughs> um, two two NFL seasons ago. Um, what do you guys think about him getting the starting role right away? I mean, I know, I know they basically gave up their entire future draft picks on him, but. Jacoby has not been playing that bad. Statistically, he's 2,608 yards, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions, and he just beat the Buccaneers in overtime. I know, I know, I know the ending of that game wasn't very pretty, but he got it done. Um, to be fair as well, if you're not impressed by his passing stats, he's got one of the better run offenses by his side. So maybe they tried to split it out to give him some help, but I don't know. We'll we'll see we'll see what happens with Watson. I think you can look at a couple different ways here. So number one, yeah, like you said, they basically mortgage their entire future to try to go out there and get Deshaun Watson. So that's one way to look at it as to why he should come in. I mean, they gave this man a playbook once he got into Cleveland. So he's there's no way that he doesn't know all the plays. But the other thing, too, here is, I mean, the Browns, four and seven, they're three games back out of the north. They're almost certainly not going to make it in the wild card because it's just a dogfight right now in the AFC, if we're honest. So, I mean, you might as well go ahead and throw them in. But here's, here's the thing that I think is kind of interesting. So you brought up that this start is against Houston. Does anybody else think that 11 games is an awfully odd number of games to suspend a player? I wanted to bring this up too. Definitely. So 
I think, yeah, because wasn't the first suspension, the first, six the games. first title suspension. Yeah, it was six games. So why wouldn't you just double it and make it twelve? Why'd you have to make it eleven? That doesn't right. make any sense to me. It's really weird. You, you gave him six for a reason. You might as well add another six. Right. I mean, how convenient is it that it's like they're giving him a special homecoming as if they're, like, welcoming what he did? Oh, gosh. I mean, I know yeah. he's going to get booed to shreds, but it's, like, against your former team, he's obviously going to – well, he might not have a great game, but the Browns are going to win this game for sure. I just think it's a little <laughs> strange. I'm not, I'm not calling – I'm not going to say who's going to win this game, but – I definitely think Houston has the leverage here. Um, yeah, Cleveland's got the better team, but if Watson does not perform, I'm not going to be surprised if Jacoby's in by probably the second half of the game. I mean, I want to I wanna go back to the preseason where he did play, and he looked very, very rusty. It did not look good. You can definitely tell there was nerves into him or nerves going through him, butterflies and whatnot. So I would not be surprised being back – at your old stomping grounds where you decide to leave and you're getting booed to shreds. I mean, that's, I'm not looking forward to that. If I'm Deshaun Watson, that is. So Brayden, to your, your mention of this being his first game since January of 2021, that means that this is basically his first game in 23 months. So almost two years. So, I think this is going to be an interesting situation. But, yeah, to get back to the whole thing of an 11-game suspension, this is what the NFL does, right? Yeah. I mean, the Texans are a dumpster fire right now. They got to give people a reason to tune into this game, right? So that's the only reason why Deshaun Watson is playing in this game. Yeah, definitely. starter for Houston? Uh, It's still probably going to be Kyle Allen, is it? Is it definitely no, should be. I Davis Mills checked in. I don't know if he did. I think I think Kyle Allen played the entire game, but oh, I think he's, Houston, he's awful. Houston is just trying to secure themselves with the number one overall pick, I think, at this point. Yeah. yeah. Bryce Young is already a Texan. I think that <laughs> I think that's pretty much a staple. They aren't they aren't sending any scouts to Ohio State games? They're only watching Alabama games. I don't understand the Kyle Allen start. That makes no sense to me. I watched <clears> some <throat> of it, and the passes he made—he couldn't even make a dump off. It was terrible. Yeah, Riley, I know that you. I already know what you're probably going to say to this, but I know you're not a CJ Stroud guy. So a Bryce Young enthusiast. Yes. So, there are people out there that think that C.J. Stroud is going number one overall. What do you have to say to those people, the mockers of the world? Not even close. I mean, you don't even send you don't send a scout to watch the games at all, and they're all in Alabama watching them. I think I think the fit's just better. I don't really think C.J. Stroud's <laughs> gonna have even as much success as Justin Fields, really. I think Bryce Young is a lock for Texas. Houston. I kind of had brought it up that they do have a quarterback whisperer in the building. I forgot the lad's name. I'll have to look it up. 
But assuming that Houston doesn't make any drastic changes to their coaching staff, they do have somebody in the building to help out shape the potential quarterback of the future because that is important. And their head coach is Lovey Smith. Um, Pep Hamilton. See a Pep Hamilton guy. Lovey Smith is yes. So Pep yeah. Hamilton is the offensive coordinator. That's the guy that I was thinking of. Uh, he could potentially be a quarterback whisperer, young offensive guy. So I'm interested to see no matter who it is that they bring in, you think it's going to be Bryce Young after hearing what you just said. I don't disagree with that. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be interesting as we go forward. And maybe not interesting. I mean, it'll be more interesting as we get into like February, March, April. Because right now it's just going to be boring to talk about what Kyle Allen is doing or not doing as quarterback. And so I think we can basically, you know, write off the Texans for now. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm going to stay with the Texans and the Browns game. So the lawyer who is dealing with the Deshaun Watson allegations, Tony Busby, um, has invited 10 of the women who who accused Watson with the allegations to a, to the game and has invited them to a, into a suite that Busby purchased in the stadium to watch the game. And it says that Busby and the 10 women are going to be there not to watch the game, but to watch Watson. And this is coming from undercovered NFL. Um, and that is just today now a credible source through the NFLPA. So <clears throat> I I think it's kind of – I don't want to get into the whole allegations thing and what I think is right and what I think happened or not because, I mean, let's be honest, we don't know what happened. We can only assume. But, I mean, I just think why? I, I, I'd say just leave, leave it alone. Leave it alone at this point. I mean, what of, else can you do? You're kind of like – giving him the upper hand like they're going to watch him at his job essentially it's right kinda like it's kind of like he won now mm-hmm. well the, the other thing that's kind of weird about it too is it's like if they were so disgusted by what he did why would they show up right like, i don't know if you found out whether they accepted the invitation to going or not but yeah that's kind of weird for somebody to be doing that kind of thing when they you know made all these gross allegations against watson which don't get me wrong the allegations are horrible and if they are yep. truly correct then he definitely deserves all the punishment in the world but most definitely that is a really weird situation mm-hmm. i mean i get i guess i get it i mean they they're gonna be there to like kind of taunt him Almost, yeah. or maybe not taunt him, but like, kind of give that message. Be like, we're gonna be here. We're gonna be here behind you this entire time. Except it's just like you're giving him three hours of your time out of your day, middle of the day. That's I know, just... but I don't... it must be it must be a moral thing. I don't know. All right, moving on. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I want to talk about that. And... All right. The ballsy play called by Doug Peterson to go for two 
to beat the Baltimore Ravens at the end of regulation. No, no, he did not go to overtime. Doug Peterson said, I want to end the game right now. So they go for two after getting the touchdown. And, man, Trevor Lawrence just played – I don't know if I necessarily – say flawless game but he played incredible wasn't it 321 for three touchdowns or something like that yep we just something like that like last week or so about how trevor lawrence was supposed to be andrew luck and instead he's just not yeah he played like andrew luck yesterday definitely i mean it's andrew luck was thrown in the fire pit right away and was was pretty much successful. I think he had like a 4,000-yard rookie season or something like that, I remember. But, um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is definitely showing his his stars in his role in this Jacksonville team um, and showing that he's the number one overall pick in that in the draft he was picked in. Um, I, give him, I give him next year, and he's going to pop off. I just think Jacksonville needs to add some more pieces defensively and probably draft a receiver um, in the draft. Yeah, I saw one of the Jacksonville Jaguars safeties was saying this is pretty much Trevor Lawrence rookie year with how bad Urban Meyer screwed him up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, let's not forget about that. Urban Meyer, the whole Urban Meyer situation was, oh, my gosh. I don't understand, like, how any of that was corresponding and made sense to, like, put together. I, I saw no chemistry there. <clears throat> the other but, thing is, too, yeah. was – Trevor Lawrence could have actually still played at Clemson last year if he really wanted to. So Trevor Lawrence really could have played at Clemson last year. So really that was like last year was like his senior year college. So yep. granted the ACC is, you know, it's second to the SEC really <clears throat> in terms of competition and everything. But still, I mean, it's tough for any – any player to make a transition to the NFL. And when you have just a complete moron, that's, you know, trying to lead you through it. I give Trevor Lawrence a lot of credit for how far he's come. Indeed. He's definitely the underdog in all the situation that he's gone through. Yeah. He's, um, he's first and like four stats. I don't know what the four stats were, but like, pretty major stats in like the past month. He yep. was like first, second, first, first. I it, I think it's completion percentage, isn't it? Yeah, it's like completion percentage yard, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, the, the receiving core on that team hasn't been consistent. Like Zay Jones went off. Yeah. He went off on Sunday um, with the lo- loss of Christian Kirk, I believe. Um, he got banged up. I'm not, I, I think he might have gone back into play, but um, <clears throat> Christian Kirk wasn't 100%. I think we can all agree on that. But a lot of the, a lot of the players on the Jacksonville offense did step up. Yeah, Christian Kirk never seems to really get that much action until there's like maybe five minutes left in the game. They're like, oh, shoot, let's use one of our best players now. Yeah, but, but I think that's because other teams look at him as the number one threat. And yeah. let's be honest, he's not as good as he got paid. So they lock him up the entire know. game. He's not available to throw to. I mean, it, it makes sense. They do get Calvin Ridley next year, too. Yep, that'll be 
that'll be some good help. Yeah, when we broke down the trade deadline and everything, I had kind of thrown out there, Kelvin Ridley is a nice, he's a really nice player to add to your offense. But at this rate, they're going to go into the offseason without a true number one wide receiver. Like, you don't have that elite guy. So you have elite quarterback Trevor Lawrence, right? You need to get him an elite playmaker to throw the ball to. You got these guys who are really nice number two receivers. So you got maybe Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. They can be the one, the two A, two B, and then maybe you have the the Jones, the Joneses, uh, Marvin and Zay be the third and fourth guys. So yeah, they really need to add some talent there. My personal favorite right now is Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. I think he's a monster. Just one of the fastest players I've ever actually seen take a football field. So they need to add some talent there and just get somebody who is a deep threat that can run routes really well. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Moving on. um, Shall we talk about Mike White's first start the season? And I'd like to say, I see a little bit of deja vu happening. Um, I know last year's first start, he uh, scored four touchdowns and one interception. Um, phenomenal job by him. Uh, this past this past week or this past weekend, he in his first start he he scored three touchdowns. Um, I know last year in the second game that he started, he got injured right away. Do you see some like I don't know some voodoo stuff happening in the next game? Hard to say for me, but let me just start off by saying I had a choice on Sunday of watching the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans or watching the Chicago Bears and the New York Jets. I chose the Bears and Jets, so I sat on my couch for three hours, thoroughly entertained by Mike White just dialing up that Bears defense all day. It was a sight to see, and Mike White, definitely refreshing from what we've seen from Zach Wilson. So to your point, uh, Mike White was also terrible last year after his first game, mm-hmm. besides just getting hurt. So yep. we'll see if it's sustainable, but I see a little Taylor Heineke in there. I mean, I see what you're saying. I honestly, I don't see it, but um, I, I, will, I will say, um, I will say this. They were playing the Bears, and their defense isn't very good. And um, I don't, I don't think this Minnesota game is going to help this team go forward, especially in the quarterback position. It's probably going to be a bad day for Mike White, if I'm guessing, in that entire offense. Um, honestly, I think, I think the Vikings defense could just. Walk all over the Jets' offense, in my opinion. I think the Vikings' defense could just plumble them. I know Mike White has a little bit of the turnover gene in him. Like, he can just train wreck a game sometimes. I think it was – he had a game last year where he threw four interceptions or something. Yep. And the Vikings right now are one of the best opportunistic teams right now in terms of turnovers. So – 
maybe that's the situation that they get themselves into is they force them to make some bad throws. But otherwise, I can kind of disagree. I feel like with what we saw from Mac Jones, Mac Jones has looked really bad this year. And then on Thanksgiving, he totally diced up the Vikings defense. So it'll be interesting to see how they game plan for him and also how Mike LaFleur gets Mike White ready for a second week in a row. I mean, that was a beautiful game plan by Mike LaFleur. I think he definitely deserves some head coaching buzz after this year. But that was a really nice performance by head coach, offense, offensive coordinator, and just all around the map by the Jets. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty underrated uh, head coaching hire because, I mean, his brother's with Green Bay's head coach, and as bad as Zach Wilson's looked, now you throw another guy in there and it just takes off because you had Brees Hall in the run game, which made it look very elite, but Zach Wilson trimmed it down a little bit so it didn't look as good. So it's a good sleeper head coach. Well, and for him to turn around, too, after going with Zach Wilson for most of the year. I mean, actually, to think about it this way, even, the Jets have won games with three different starting quarterbacks this year, Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and Mike White. That is incredible. What a job by the coaching staff to make sure that all these guys are ready on a weekly basis, and they're still running the offense out there, and they're winning games. Yeah, definitely. Um it is amazing what they're doing with the pieces that they have and how unsustainable it is and how they're just able to make everything work the way it is and still win games. Um, what do you guys think about Zach Wilson? What do you think they do with him at the end of the season? I personally think that they hold on to him. I don't know if they're ready to just say goodbye after this year. But, but after that, I don't think he goes comment, into the season as starter. He's not going to be the starter, don't get me wrong. But I don't think they're just going to ship him away like they did with Sam Darnold because, you know, they've they've done it now with Sam Darnold and Geno Smith. And you would just look back on it as, oh, well, here we go. Same old Jets, draft a quarterback, send him out after a couple years. And I don't think they really want to do that. So I think they're going to hold on to him, let him maybe try to develop some still behind a veteran and you know if it ends up being where he just doesn't work out then they move on from him at the end of his rookie contract but i don't think they're ready to just ship him out next year for some low low draft picks speaking of supine a veteran quarterback what do you think of jordan love he's I mean, not bad yeah I mean, he, he's not the best it's not the best but he's he didn't play that bad. I think he deserves a shot, really. I mean, he's – so I don't think that Green Bay, if Rodgers leaves us after this year, which very well may happen, I think we might yeah. have seen the last of Rodgers in a Packer uniform. But if Rodgers leaves this year, whether that be retirement, trade, or just straight-up release, which I think is something that the Packers really don't want to do, um, Jordan Love definitely deserves a shot because if – he is able to show that he's worth something, then they found their next quarterback of the future. And if he's just really bad, well, awesome. Now you got a high draft pick and you can go draft the real guy that you want. So I don't think it's really a 
losing situation for Green Bay at all. I think that they're going to come out of this situation winners regardless. So might as well see what you got in the young guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also been like nearly 15 years since Rodgers took over for Brett Favre. And it actually kind of played out pretty similar. I don't know who they threw it to. They threw it to a guy and they got a touchdown on like one of the first plays. And then come back to Jordan Love, Christian Watson gets a huge touchdown, bringing them back into the game. It's very similar stories. Yeah, it's something to definitely keep an eye on, especially as we go on throughout the rest of this season and early into next year. Because I think at the end of this year, if Jordan Love continues to go forward, sounds like Rodgers is going to play against the Bears, but it's probably because it's the Bears. And in the words of Rodgers, he he owns the Bears. So I don't think he's going to want to just sit out that game because – you know, Justin Fields will probably be back, so it'll be a tough competitive game between the Bears and the Packers regardless. I just don't think that Rodgers wants to lose to the Bears at all. All right. Who has more receiving yards, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson? is a close one. Mm. Uh, Hill. I'm trying to think. So Miami – Trying to think of Miami Heather bye week yet. I they think, I think it's they did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, they just they just had it last week. I think it's probably Jefferson then. Tyreek Hill has twelve hundred and thirty three yards. Justin Jefferson has twelve hundred and thirty two. Oh my oh. gosh. Just and this is the yard. top. This is the top two <laughs> in the leaders of the league. That is, that's a wild stat. Um, I want to go. I want to. I want to add, add a conversation to this. I think. I think. Uh, I'm gonna have to take back my Jamar Chase comments about him being a better receiver. Um, I've been blown away by how Justin Jefferson has been playing. I mean. To be fair, he's kind of their like superstar. I mean, Thielen, Thielen's good. Hawkinson's there, but I mean, they're no Justin Jefferson, and he is absolutely blowing up the league right now. It's insane. He's insane. I think mm-hmm. we've kind of seen an example of it too, like how the Bengals have played without Jamar Chase. They've still been winning games. You take definitely. You take Justin Jefferson away from that Vikings offense. They're a losing team. I mean, there's no debate about it. Who else are they going to throw the ball to? Yeah, they can throw the ball to Hawkinson 10, 15 times, but you do not have that dynamic playmaker that Justin Jefferson provides. So I definitely think that he, he, in my opinion, he's the MVP, but MVPs never go to receivers. So. Unfortunately. He'll get um, off, offensive player of the year, definitely. Yeah. I I was listening to someone today talk about how could Justin Jefferson get himself into the MVP contest, and the response was he can just switch to playing quarterback because that's really the only way that you can win an MVP nowadays, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. But yeah, I Jefferson's think he would be the best player. I think he would win it over Kirk Cousins, though. I think he would get more votes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, especially if 
Cousins' stats aren't as great. I mean, Jefferson has just been, like I said, he's the whole offense pr- practically in a way. Um, let me add on to the MVP conversation. What do you guys think about Jalen Hurts? I prefer, like, I don't I even think, think he's close. I think I'd rather have Tua on my team. I think I'd take Patrick Mahomes still. I like I like Jalen Hurts. Don't get me wrong. But but okay, let me let me rephrase my question. Yeah, me too. Can you consider him? Oh yeah, as a he's candidate. Definitely, he's definitely a candidate, top three in my opinion. In your in your book, okay. I mean, who who would be like? It's not Rogers. It's not Brady. Who else would it be? Right. I, I put Mahomes, Allen. Um, I wish I could say Herbert. Honestly, I do. Um, see, or... I can't get there with I can't get there with Allen right now, just because he's been such a turnover machine this year. But my top three would be: I'm going Mahomes number one, I'm going Tua number two, and then Hurts number three for MVP this year. I, I, like I need to watch. I need to watch more Dolphins, like. Games because I I just don't see Tua being an MVP candidate. It's just more I mean, about like how well the team has performed with him playing. I, I think guess. I I think I think I think his receivers are more talented than him. If we if we yeah. try to equalize the equilibrium in positions, like I think they're overperforming wide receiver compared to him playing quarterback. Yeah, yeah I mean, but it's not like sticking a guy like Kirk Cousins there and you have Justin Jefferson I could definitely rather have Tua than Kirk Cousins yeah oh you would oh yeah like as a friend are you saying as a franchise or just like a one-year thing like if you oh. had to win the Super Bowl this year you'd um, rather have... I'd take both probably both I think the big thing is here so I kind of brought this up like in the preseason so okay. I said the Basically, they built the team around him. They got two super speedy receivers. They got an offensive line for him. They got an offensive head coach. So, it's up to you, Tua. Show us what you got. And he's totally answered that call, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, he's, he... he's definitely outperformed what people thought of him. I'll All give right. you that one. That's true. All right. For our clown of the week, I think um, we all agreed on this. Uh, Pre pre show, our in our pre show meeting, um, our clown of the week this week is Dan Snyder and the Commanders organization. Um, basically, what they did was they set up a statue of Sean Taylor, and if you look online, look up Sean Taylor statue. It is not a statue. It's not even a mannequin. They just put a bunch of barb or they just put a bunch of wire together and put some clothing on it with his jersey, some soccer cleats, and it's it looks horrendous. It's a disgrace. I've said especially this once for before. especially for his tribute. I've said this once before, and I'll keep saying it, delete that franchise. I'm sorry if there's any fans somehow listening to this. I don't know if they have any fans. The location's not good. They've never been good. Going through a name change. Just yep. get rid of it. The the stadium's horrible. Yeah, that I mean, too. you just you just gotta they gotta sell it and move. That's what I think they should do. 
Yeah. All right. It's a good way to end. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> so, you know what to do. So just go ahead and like and subscribe and all that. Leave us a rating if you're listening on the streaming and streaming services. Gosh, I cannot talk today. So we will see you again this week sometime. <laughs>